praying this morning and I prayed, Lord, please anoint me for your service. This is his service. This is his service. This is his house. This is his church. We're the body of Christ when we come together here, right? This is his service, right? So I, I ask him, please use me for your service, to, to, that I could serve your people, Lord, that I could serve you, that I could speak to your people on your, on your behalf. And do you realize how big that is? Do you realize, how, not, not for me, but how big that is that we can be a part of God's service, that we can come here and that we can praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we can come boldly to his throne room, that we can come to him in prayer, that we can come to him and talk to him about our needs. Do you realize the immensity of that? In itself, remember God. Did you come to receive something today? Did you come to receive from God Almighty? Did you just come to church just to say you came to church? Right? Can we go ahead and pray today? Daddy, we thank you for this day, Lord. I love you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts up today, Lord. Open our minds up. Lord, soften our hearts, Daddy. Cause us to come here prepared to receive from you, Father God, and not just to receive, Daddy, but to apply it to our lives, Father God. Lord, I pray that your word comes forth today unhindered and uninterrupted by any satanic force, Lord, by any, anything that might distract us, Father God, that you would cause us to lay everything aside, Lord. Put our phones down. Turn our phones off, our, 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 our things that we have, Father God. Put them out of our mind for just a short period of time, Father God, and come here to receive from your word today, Daddy. Lord, I pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Father. Thank you, Dad, and have your way, Father. This is your service today, Father. Let it be all of you, Dad, and none of us. So remember God. Remember the God that saved you. Do you remember when you first got saved? Remember the zeal that you had, right? Remember the God that sanctified you, that caused you to get your life in order, to get your life? God's totally and radically changed my life since I came to him. But I can remember back, he, that, this is one of the things I told you, he pushed the reset button on me. I can remember back in the days when I was first saved and I was, on, I was on fire and I would go out and beat doors. And we were talking about just the other day with Brother Adam. We'd go out and beat doors after every service. We lived in Independence and we'd drive the church in Richmond. It was 40 minutes, right? So we didn't go back home every, every Sunday. We'd stay in Richmond. We'd go out and beat doors and we would hand out flyers for the church and we'd invite people in and we would organize outreaches and all the things that we, do, we, we would do. I wish someone would have the fire in this church to do all those things. Are you following me? Including myself. Including myself. Remember the God who sanctified you. Remember the God who baptized you. Remember the God who filled you with the Holy Ghost. Do you remember all those things? You remember, can you remember them like they were yesterday? He changed your life forever. My life has forever changed for the better. It's not that I had to give anything up. It's that he changed my life forever for the good. I'm more blessed now than I've ever been in my life. When I tried to do it my way, it just didn't work. Do you remember God, though? Do you remember that zeal that you had? Do you remember that passion that you had back then? Do you remember those things? Some of you all know what I'm talking about, right? Are you ready to meet God face to face? That's a big question. I don't expect you to answer me today, but ask yourself that. Are you ready to stand face to face and meet God? Do you still have that zeal? Are you still on fire? Have you still been living like you're supposed to be living? Have you been doing the things you're supposed to be doing? Are you ready to meet him face to face? I remember one of the first times I thought that, I mean, it seemed real to me. God brought it to reality to me that Jesus could step out on that cloud at any time. Yeah. I mean, bam, in the twinkle of an eye, we're gone. My feet are going to lift off the ground. Are you following me? Are you ready for that day? At the time, we had just bought our house, and I thought, Lord, I'd like to get all these things done first. Who cares about that house? Who cares about things in this world? When Jesus steps on that cloud, are you ready for that? Are you excited for that? Are you following me? Because some of us, when we think about that day, and, oh, Lord, I'm going to go meet him, 
we cringe a little bit. Amen? We're not ready for those things. I want to give you this thing out of love today. I'm not here to stomp on your toes or anything, but if it steps on your toes, it should. It should. We should be living ready all the time to meet him face to face, right? In Malachi 3, 2 and 3, I'm just going to skim through some of these here, but some of them I'm going to read to you. In Malachi 3, 2 and 3, it says, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? Now think about that right there. Think about Moses when he went up on the mountain. He said, no one can see my face and live. We'll have a new glorified body then, sure. But are you ready for that day? Are you excited for that day? For he is like a, refi- a refiner's fire. Remember Moses when he went on the mountain, he put him in the cleft of the rock, and he only seen God's hinder parts, and his face shone, the Bible says. His face glowed with light. It emitted its own light the rest of his days. Moses had to wear a veil on his face. I never read in the Bible anywhere he took it off at, so I'm guessing, I'm assuming that it lasted the rest of his life just from seeing God's hinder parts. Are you ready for that glory to meet him face to face? Your day is coming. Our day is coming. Whether by the grave or whether Jesus steps out on the cloud, we need to be living ready, church. For he is like a refiner's fire. A refiner's fire, they heat the metal up. They throw all the stuff in and they heat the thing up until the metal is just glowing and, and all the trash comes to the top. All the, all the impurities come to the top, come out. That's how God does us, right? And then he scoops off the bad stuff and he keeps heating it up and he keeps scooping off the bad stuff until he has pure gold. He has a prized possession in there, right? And a lavender soap, he'll clean us up. He will sit as a refiner and, and a purifier of, of silver, in th- three it says, and he will purify the sons of Levi, and he will purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer, catch this part right here, that they may offer to the Lord. We have to be purified. We have to be clean. We have to be holy when we come to God. You get what I'm saying? We can't live however we want to live and then come in and think we're going to throw our sacrifice on the altar and it's good enough for God because it's not. There's a standard to our living when we become a Christian, right? It says that we may offer. This word offer right here in the Hebrew means to draw near. It means to be intimate with God. To come in and be intimate with God, we've got to be purified. We've got to be be living a holy life. So many people got grace wrong. God will forgive you, but that forgiveness is not a license to sin. It's not a license to go out and do whatever you want to do. We'll make mistakes sometimes, sure. But we've got to do our best not to do those things. Are you following me? It requires a sacrifice. It requires a sacrifice. It's not about we, it's about he. It's about how he wants us to live. He's bought and paid for you. Do you realize that that Jesus died on the cross to buy you and pay for you? You're bought and paid for. We belong to him. It's not about you anymore. It's about him. Are you following me? In Romans 13, 11 through 14. I know it's a lot of scripture today, but I just couldn't cut any of it this week. It's awesome. And, it, and, it, and the scripture, just reading through the scripture, didn't even have anybody preaching to me about it. Just reading through the scripture, the spirit speaking to me about this topic right here. God really, he, he softened my heart and he caused me that, what I'm talking about. He pushed the reset button. He brought me back to, back to my, my roots, back to my beginning and, 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 and humbled me somewhat. And, you know, and, and through this week, I feel like I've let you all down a little bit. I've let the church down a little bit. I've, I've let myself down. I've let God down. Maybe even let my family down some. Because you get so busy with things so many times. And I got, and, and I got a job, and I got a family, and, and I'm not 100% focused on my job as a pastor all the time like I should be. Are you following me? Sometimes we get in our head and our own understanding, and God will bring us back. He'll bring us back, and he'll recenter us on where we're supposed to be at. 
So I want to tell you that if I've let you down, and I probably have because I haven't given my all to, to where it should have been all the time. I'm sorry for that. I'm going to try to do better. I've already repented to God. I've already made it right with him. I'm ready to have church now, folks. I'm hoping that you all will repent too. Hang on a second. It says Romans 13, 11 through 14 says, and do this. This is in the New King James. And do this, knowing the time that now is it, it that now it is high time. The Amplified uses the word critical. Critical. My pastor, and I remember preaching to him, him preaching about high time one time. He said it's like when they're setting the space shuttle off into the sky and they say five, four, three, two, and right before five, four, three, two, one, and between that one and when they push the zero, that's high time. That's the time right there. We're right at the last of the last of the last days. Church, do you understand this? Are you ready? Do you remember God? Are you ready to meet him face to face? Are we really truly ready for that? It is high time to awake out of a sleep. Wake up. Wake up, church. Wake out of a sleep. For now our salvation is near, is nearer than when we first believed. We're getting closer all the time. We're getting closer all the time. And if you look around you, you got to know. you got to know that something's stirring. Something's up. 12 says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 13 says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in reveling, revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness or, and lust, not in strife or envy. There's no time for strife and envy. There's no time for division. There's no time for any of these other things. Because we have to be living ready. We've got to be living ready. Strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. This part right here is why I read you this whole set of scriptures. Make no provision to the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't give your flesh any way to get where it might want to be at. We have to be walking in the spirit, living in the spirit all the time. Make no provision for your flesh. Your flesh is going to want to do what your flesh wants to do. And if we allow it to, it'll take little piece by little piece by little piece. And pretty soon we'll be off the path where we want to be at. We'll be off the straight and narrow. So many people come into church and leave again. How do you think they got there? They just didn't decide that in one day. It happens little by little by little by little. They give a little of the flesh. They give a little of the flesh. Maybe it starts off not paying attention in church. Maybe it starts off being offended. In some way, they find their way out the back door. Their flesh, their, their flesh gets a hold of them. Their flesh gets the best of them. It's happened to all of us, right? Maybe we didn't leave the church, but we've been offended. We, we, we've been off the straight and narrow. We've been, I'm not talking about you slipped up into some big sin, but, but anything outside of what God desires for us is, is, is wrong, right? Malachi 3 and 7, it says, return to me and I'll return to you, right? The Bible also says, seek him. If you draw nigh to me, I'll draw near to you. I'll draw nigh to you. Think about that. In 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and humble themselves, right, then I'll hear from heaven, and then I'll hear the land. Church, our, our land needs healed today. It needs healed today. Wicked ways, though. We think wicked ways might just be carousing and drunkenness and, and, and fighting and, and, and maybe being into, into drugs or whatever we think of wicked ways are, but wicked ways are anything outside the will of God. Think about that. Wicked doesn't have to be some great big thing that we, that we think of. Anything that's outside the will or the character of God, anything that's outside of the statues that God laid down for us is wicked. Amen? Doesn't matter if you're just outside the door or a mile down the road. It's wicked. Matthew eleven twenty. I'm not going to go there either. Matthew eleven twenty. Jesus rebuked the cities that most of his miraculous works were done in, right? And they didn't repent. 
Church, we've seen some miracles in here. Will we repent? Will we get back on track with where we're supposed to be at? Remember that zeal. And I'm not saying that we're in some big sin, that we're doing something, something hugely wrong, but remember where we started out at. Remember that zeal that we had, that fire that we had, right? My pastor used to say, you're ready to charge hell's gates with a water pistol. That's where we were as a young Christian. Where did that go? Where did that go? Think of that. In Revelations 2, 2 through 5. Now, if you read this in verse 1, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's writing to the church of Ephesus, right? And he says, I know all that you've done for me. This is from Jesus. It was a vision that was given through John, but it was, it was from Jesus, and John penned it down for him, right? And it was, to the church, it was about the church of Ephesus. So he says, I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You, hate, you have tested those who have claimed to be apostles and proved they are not, for they are, for they are imposters, and, and one translation says they are liars. I also know how you have bravely endured trials, persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged. That sounds pretty good so far, right? I'd love for Jesus to write me a letter like that right there. But then in verse 4 it says this, but I have this against you. When I meet him face to face, I don't want to hear, but I have this against you. That's the last thing that I want to hear, is but I have this against you. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love that you had for me in the beginning. Let that sink in right there, because that really, that really got all over me when I read this this week. You've abandoned the passionate love that you had for me in the beginning. You forgot where you came from. Right? Think about it. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent, he says. Repent. If you're not on fire as you were in the beginning, repent, right? And do the works of love you did at first. Love on people. Get out there and beat those doors. Right? Tell everybody about what he's done for you. When's the last time we've told someone about Jesus? When's the last time we've shown his love off to other people? Think about that. How many Christians are out there in the world and say they're Christians, but you see so much different fruit than that? You don't see the fruit of a Christian. You see the fruit of someone in the world. You can't tell the difference in them. That's why people look at the church skeptic, as a skeptic. When I tell people that I'm a pastor at my work, they, they, or you tell them you're a Christian wherever you go at, they look at you and they're expecting you to fail. Right? Because they've seen it so many times before. They've seen it again and again and again and again. Right? He says, Repent. He says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, there were seven lampstands in the tabernacle, and the lampstands were to give light to the priest, right? We're supposed to be spreading light into the world. The church is supposed to be spreading light in the world. The church is supposed to have influence with the world right here. But if Jesus comes and removes that lampstand from the church, we're nothing anymore. Amen? Amen? Church, I don't want to lose our lampstand. We've got to get this thing straightened out right here and right now. I'm afraid that God's not as high on our priority list as we'd like to think that he is. You can look around and see that. You don't have to look at your neighbor. You can look at yourself. God's not as high on our priority list as we'd like to think that he is. 
It's like with a relationship. When you start off a relationship, so many times there's a fresh fire and there's a zeal and you'll call each other up. You'll talk all night long. You'll text back and forth. You'll, you'll, you know the story. You do all those things and then you relax and you get busy and you can become complacent in the relationship, right? Pretty soon, pretty soon the, other, the other person is on the back burner, right? And you've lost your first love. It's like that with God. We're so on fire for him. We're, we, we can't get enough of him. We can't get enough of our word. We carry our Bible everywhere, right? We're laying it up there proud of it, showing it to other people. I used to lay mine up on the break room, and, and if anybody, I saw anybody looking at me reading it, I'd turn it over there where they could read it a little bit. Are you following me? I had a Bible cover that says this book is illegal in how many other countries or whatever, and that started so many conversations. I don't carry that Bible anymore. I don't carry that, that cover anymore. I carry this this right here, it doesn't start as many conversations. It has more Bibles on it. It has more information on it. But I carry this thing now instead. I don't start conversations as often as I used to. Anybody relate to that? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I feel like God gave me this for everyone. Galatians 6 and 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he, we also reap. Church, we've been playing church. We've been playing church. It's time to get real with God. It's time to stop just going to church and start being the church. You get that? It's time to stop just going to church and start being the church. We need to be spreading the light everywhere that we go. There should be no room for fear inside the church. There should be no room for complacency inside the church. There should be no room for bickering or fighting or backbiting inside the church. And guess what? You're the church, so it shouldn't go outside of here either. Should be no room for any of that in your life anywhere you go. Are you following me? Our relationship with God should define us. You get what I'm saying? If you say the word pastor's wife, you know a certain type of individual that fills that role usually. My pastor's wife was also my aunt. And my wife have great big hearts. They reach out to people. They're the only two pastors' wife I know in the history of the earth that can't play the piano. <laughs> but they both have huge hearts. I've seen my wife, she lost, we lost a baby, and she was carrying her baby on a box, a, a dead baby, our dead baby on, in a box on her lap, and someone called her up with problems, and she's speaking to them and doesn't even let them know that anything is going on. That's the kind of people they are. That, that word pastor's wife just seems like those kind of people, God calls those kind of women to that role, and that's, it, it just defines who they are. The, the ones that I know of, anyway, that I know personally, it defines who they are. So let me ask you this today. Who are you? Who are you? Are you a Christian? Do you call yourself a Christian? Do you walk the walk? Or is it only talk? This, I'm coming from a place of love here today. God gave me this. He dealt with me. And, and through dealing with me on this, I, I've repented of, of my being complacent and, and, and getting things in front of him and, and not putting everything into, being, uh, into my calling and the things that I've done. So with that being said, could we all come to the altar today or at your chair, however it is? Let's take a few minutes. I know it's already afternoon. I don't care. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. Let's get this right today, can we? Bow out your chair. Put away any devices you have. Please don't get up and go to the bathroom at this time. Right? I know you can watch a whole TV show without going to the restroom. Surely we can pray for a few minutes. 
Are you following me? Brother Andy, could you play some music? No one looking around. Take authority over your mind. Your mind's going to want to wander different places. But let's take authority over our mind today. Get a hold of ourselves. Pull ourselves back up. Make a new commitment with God if we need to, right? Repent today. Repent today. Pray for someone else even. Can we do that today? Just take a few minutes. If you need to leave, go ahead and go. We're going to take a few minutes to pray. Does anyone need prayer today? Need, need to be anointed? Someone dealing with addiction today? Anyone? You know, addiction doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be a substance. Anyone want to put that away today?
God is so good to us, isn't he? He's so good to us. And, and it, it was a different kind of service today. I didn't know what to expect when he changes it up on you. I, I always, it's hard to do when he changes it up on you in midstream. So it was a different kind of service today. There was such a sweet presence in the house. But I think that he spoke clearly about what he had to say today. And I thank you all for being cooperative with it. Let's not forget about this thing, okay? Don't forget about this new commitment that we've made with God. We go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we love you, Daddy, and we just praise your name. Lord, I pray that you would protect us physically. Lord, protect us spiritually, Father God. Lord, just continue to draw us near to you. Lord, set a fire inside of this church, Lord, that we cannot contain, Daddy, that we can't contain. Lord, give us that zeal, Father God, that we had at first, Daddy. Lord, remind us to lay things aside, Lord. Lay down the electronics. Lay down the job. Lay down the, 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 everything that's, that's less important, Father God. Lay those things down, Lord. Put them in their, in their rightful places, Father God. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to focus on you in all things, Daddy. Lord, we pray this to you in Jesus' name, Father. Lord, I pray that you would bring us back here safely on Wednesday night, Father God, with, with biblical answers, Dad, in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands and come out smiling.